Welcome to Emmanuel Christian Church, the house of Judah, the house at the gate. Please join us as we'll be listening to Apostle Vincent Luan, the head pastor of the Emmanuel Christian Churches. Can we give a clap offering as we take our seats? Hallelujah. Uh, before we start, uh, today we only have one service until the 6th of January. Hallelujah. Is it the 6th? Until the 5th of January. So for the next coming four weeks or so, three weeks or so, we will only be having one service we are used to having two morning services and one evening service. So we'll say bear with us for any inconvenience cost. Definitely there are people who prefer the first service, the second service, and so forth. Possibly the second service people will start arriving now who didn't hear that we have uh, one service. So our service starts at 9, and next week we'll start at 9. And on Christmas Day, we have a morning service. I'll encourage you to come and be part and parcel of the Christmas service. Uh, as a Christian, it doesn't matter even if you are on holiday, you must celebrate uh, Christmas Day. It's not exactly the day that Jesus was born, but it's the day that reminds us of the grace of God that Christ came physically, was born naturally. Hallelujah. So I'll encourage you to do so. And for those who are traveling, uh, we'll say be safe and be be wise in a sense. Drive well. Be comfortable with others. Don't open yourself to hurt. May the Lord have mercy. Amen. So we are going to share together from the scriptures. Uh, today we are going to teach on the spirit of, of the, the festive spirit of Babylon so that you are aware of what is happening. But last week we started with the spirit of diligence. And I was listening to the message personally. And I realize how enriching, how powerful, how exciting it is. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Just a few things for your sake. Usually during this time in December, most people miss their place in God because they are taken over by the activity. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, that's our scripture for last week. We said, but as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you are bound in this grace also. So we need as well to abound in the grace of diligence. Hallelujah. You, we need to be diligent. And there are a few things that we highlighted. That diligence is a spiritual virtue. And is a, key to, is a key ingredient required to make your life a success. The people who are diligent are people who are taking stock. They are very conscious of where they are, where they want to go, and what they want to do. And in December, the year doesn't stop. Life doesn't stop. So the choice and this, the decision you make have a bearing to where you are going. We, I used an example last week that somebody will say, let's just drink wine. I've heard this many a times. Or let's just drink wine. Or they organize a boyfriend or a girlfriend for you. Now, when you are not diligent, you think people love you. But this can become hindrances and things that you will have to pay or to try and fix for many years to come. So, diligence is very important. We have to be diligent in knowledge. And we have to be diligent in the way we re relate with other people so that we are able to make sense of ourselves. So, we have to be passionate, determined, and constant and earnest, uh, earnest effort have to be put to complete the task that is set before us. Now, you have to understand that when you are not diligent, this is a time you are going to lose the most important things in life. Everybody's playing. Everybody else is taking easy. Part of being diligent is not to borrow people your car. That's being diligent. I've seen people come back to church. Their cousin having capsized their car. Somebody having taken the car and not returned with it. Many things that we can, we can talk about during this festive season. And that's why today we will deal with the, the spirit that drives uh, the feeling that people have to say, 
It feels, it, it felt right. Fundis, it felt right, you know, at the time. It's not about your feeling. Let's build consistently so that we are able to get the return. Diligence is a platform for excellence. When you are diligent, you are not just going to be very excited that people are saying. One of the things that I said, uh, which I think are important, is that I said, do not allow yourself. People get too excited. I've seen people who perished or died because they ate something. And traditionally, during this time, people like to drink, pour drinks, leave the glasses unattended, and then you come back, you drink, and you are sick and you die. You will not be the first one. So I'm just saying to you, be diligent. I said to people, guard against food that has a name in the crowd. You know, when you are in the midst of crowd, in the, in the public spaces, where people say, please don't touch this food, it belongs to so-and-so. The person who prepared the food loves you. But there are other people who might want to add some additional things on your food. And we know with the drinks, for those who drink, you can even tell your, your brothers and sisters who drink alcohol in parties, uh, they leave their, they go and dance in the dance floor, come back, and then they want to continue with their drink, and somebody has spiked their drink. Have you heard about, what is that drug that they give girls, and the girl wakes up and doesn't know what happened? What do they call it? You know, it's, a, it's more like a tablet or something that they put in the drink, and uh, the girl, boys, all the boys in the Shebrin can sleep with you. You wouldn't know what has happened. Because it's like it removes your memory. It, it, you, you, you will take longer to recover. So to be diligent is to be conscious. When you doubt something, follow the, the inklings of your spirit or the directives of the spirit of God upon your life. Don't do this. Like sometimes people will come and say, oh, let us go, there is a party. And your heart says, no, I don't go. Listen to that first voice that speaks to you. Most of the time it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. So you are diligent. You might miss the moment, but you will keep your life. Then other people who, they are gallivanting everywhere, everything that is made available, they go for it. Because they are not diligent. When they come back, they have lost much more. I use another example. I say, the people who say just one glass, they are the one tomorrow who will tell you you have no character. Because all along, you have said to them, you are a Christian. So I want you to have that understanding. The issue of people organizing a boyfriend, a girlfriend for you. You might think, oh, they like me. But literally, they want to take away your testimony. So that tomorrow, they'll tell everybody, don't worry about so-and-so. He's no a, a serious Christian. The last time, he drank the wine. The last time, this is what he did. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, which is the scripture we read. It says, fully, the fully of indolence. It says, go to the end, you sluggard, and consider his ways, and be wise. Can you tell anybody, this is the season to be wise. We spoke about a few things. We said diligence is a choice. You make the choice to be diligent. The issue of car, I always say to people, I can't borrow you my wife. You know, I can't say, oh, just have my wife for the night. I'll come tomorrow and fetch it. It doesn't work that way. And we usually say, it costs so much to have a car. Give it to people that you know, they honor your life. They will cherish what you have given. They will give the honor. My car might be an old car, but that's the only car I have. So even if I give it to you, it's not like your friend should sing, Irovejo, Hasia Hao. And then that's what our people do. You see it across when we drive throughout the cities. The level of decay tells you that nobody has taken ownership of anything. And when you give them valuable things that you love, they still continue with that vicious, careless spirit. And they destroy everything that has been built for so many years. To build takes years. To destroy is just... A, this building, we can demolish it in a day. But to build it, it's not going to take you a day. And you might not even be able to build it again. And so, those opportunities... So, it's a choice. You make a choice to make the decision. So, you have to understand that that promptness is a sign of diligence as well. You have to learn to be prompt. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will talk to you. You have to learn. Diligence, the second thing that we spoke about diligence, diligence is a commandment. The scripture commands us to be diligent. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. It says we should excel in the grace as well of diligence. Number three, we said diligence is a seed. You have to learn. You can't be a student and pass and do well without being diligent. You can't 
succeeded well and, and do well and not been diligent. I have succeeded in so many things because I had to, to cut certain things in my life. I had to cut off my friend. I have very few friends. And one of my best friends, we had to sit down. We spent like two days together or three days together. We made a special holiday. And I said to him, we need to talk. Where is our relationship taking us? My friends are not pulpit friends. It's not Mohojisano society or something. No. I come to your house. You come to my house. I come to your activities. You come to my, you are my friend. You guide me. You direct me. When I'm broken, I want to cry to you. So that you can help me. Don't take me as the man of God. You are my friend. You must guide me in the truth. So we had to sit down and say, tell me where we are going. How do you see my, my life with your life? Because for me, I take you as a friend. But I notice that you are not taking me as a friend. You know, there are people who don't take you as a friend. You can tell them everything about you. You will never hear a thing about them. You get it? Because they don't take you as their friend. You are something else to them. So you have to sow seeds of diligence. You, you learn... The little part, the consistency that you create is, is part of the harvest that you will have. Then diligence drives its career to labor. You cannot be diligent and not work well. And I gave an example that as a young person, as I was growing, I became a manager very young. And one of the main reasons at 25, 26 when I became a manager, by 31, 30, around that, I was already a senior manager. And... Part of it was diligence. I was never like all the other staff members. I worked twice as hard. I as well considered opportunities at work. When I'm done with my work, I don't go to the coffee shop or sit behind the computer and play cards. I will go and say, I need more work. This work, I'm finished. And people will say, oh, you are trying to make yourself better. No, I'm not making myself better. I finished my work, I want more work. If you don't want more work, sit where you are. But I was proving to my seniors, I'm more diligent. So you cannot succeed. You cannot break through. You cannot have the great things that you want by not being hard, hard worker and expecting the great. People are thinking blessing come for free. We will pray for you, but it takes work for certain blessing to come upon your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And lastly, not lastly, really, but I think for those who are not in church, please go and listen to the podcast. The, the diligence, the spirit of diligence carries a definite reward. For those who are diligent, there is a great returns that are coming their way. You can't be a, a doctor without being diligent. You know, you have, to, you have to go to school. You can't have a degree. You can't have a diploma. You can't have your metric without being diligent. You can't succeed in life, run a successful business while you behave like the boss and you are supposed to be at work and running your own business. Uh, they were showing somebody running a spaza shop, but he hired somebody to sell in his spaza shop. So we said, there's no way you are going to succeed. Your shop is too small to hire somebody. And you have not learned that you will not succeed without you sitting in there learning the patience of money making. It takes long, it takes years to be wealthy. Few people are wealthy because of family. Family inheritances and so forth. But most of us come from the level where we have to work for what we have. And if you are going to work for what you have, you better close your spaza when you go and buy your stock than for you to try and leave somebody there. I, I can tell you, people will steal from you. Yeah, you will not go very far. May the Lord have mercy. Okay, for today, tell your neighbor, this is fresh for you today. Tell them I'm kidding. This is for me specifically. <laughs> Hallelujah. Babylon, the festive spirit of the Antichrist. Babylon, the festive spirit of Babylon. Babylon, the first spirit of the Antichrist. I wish I could tell you that everything is as it seems. But in our life, things are not always what you see. There is quite a lot of disguise. I use quite a lot of examples in the church of things that don't look right. The best example I can use is Shelly Caesar when she said, all things that glitters is not gold. 
It's not what, what you see that is really what you see. So when we teach today on Babylon, the festive spirit of the Antichrist, I want you to have that understanding that there are certain things that when you do, they work against you, but not only against you, but against the kingdom of God. We have entered the season of joy and salvation and the fulfillment of the promise to mankind when God promised that it will come true for us. Jesus remains the main reason for this season. When the, the president of America came into power, even though most people don't like him, he's one of the most uh, unconventional leaders that we have in our time. And when he came, he says, we will no longer say happy festive season, we'll say Merry Christmas to you. Can you tell your neighbor Merry Christmas? Now, you have to understand, it doesn't matter what religion the people are in. This season, world over, is being celebrated. Even China, that is communist. Even Russia, that is communist. Even during their year of communism, they realized that this season, even though people didn't know much, people gave their life to celebrate. Families came together to remember and to be part and parcel of the plan and the work that God was doing. So I want you to have that understanding that this is the Christmas season. But somebody will tell you it's festive, do what you like. It's very good that we have become affluent, that we have money, that we can go on holiday, that we can show off a little bit of our achievement to our neighbor and everybody else. But we should not forget the main reason why this season exists is to share our life with others, to share our life with our family, and to create an environment for people to know that Jesus loves them. And that God, in his wisdom, so fit that Christ should be born, and that through his birth, all men may be reconciled to God. So when you miss that part, you'll think festive season is like after tears. You see, after tears is a spirit of lawlessness. Everybody drinks to stupor. And everybody wants to show that they have. My take with you is, for as long as you've mistaken Christmas for selfishness, then you have missed the purpose and the meaning of this season. We are here to share one another. One of the things that are very enriching in my life as I go around, I meet people I've ministered to some years ago. I met somebody I've ministered, I think, 20, 21 years ago. And he says, you have been my pastor. He's a big man, white, great hair. I don't even know the person. Until he started to explain who he is. And I say, wow. He says, I came to church. You know, I was insurance so sad. I was trying to remember. And I said, what you do look insignificant. But has divine purpose. So even now, this is a divine moment that God is giving to you. To share your life with others. God has blessed you a little bit more than your neighbor. This is the time to show kindness to your neighbor. Hallelujah. But some of us are thinking, this is the time only to buy clothes, to buy food for ourselves, and to show the neighbor that now is our turn. It's not supposed to be that way. This is the time to notice my neighbor who used to be strong and able is not able. I'm going to share my life and give myself to my neighbor and help my neighbor as much as it is possible. May the Lord have mercy. So we celebrate, we fight. This festive spirit of Mammon, of, 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 of Babylon, is a spirit of Mammon. What it, it wants, it wants you to possess you so that in the little things that you have, you repel all the help you will get in future. You know, the things you do today give us a key to help you tomorrow. But there are certain things that people do today that tomorrow when you are in need, nobody will be able to help you. Even the rich are becoming needy. I can tell you, of course, of people that I've prayed for who because of their status could not come to church or will not go to any church. Because of the things they have said. You have to come. Let's pray for you. And say, I can't come to church. I can't go to any church. I need help. But in my terms. 
They say, fine, I'll pray for you, but the anointing seems to work better in the company of believers. It's true. I can pray for you, and maybe God will do something. So my challenge to you, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes issues of life. The fact that you are able, you are breathing today, does not necessarily give you the strength that you will be always be doing that. During this time, there is a lot of pollution that is going on. We see it on television. We see it on programs. We see pollution uh, in the media as they advertise for different things. So Christmas is a time to celebrate with family and to share our life with others. However, the spirit of the world and the spirit of Babylon is the spirit of commerce and trading, which seems to overtake most of us. Most people become more broke this time than any other time in their life. Last week, I make mention of this fact, that if you are a parent, please go and buy the books for the children now. Do you hear what I'm saying? One thing I learned over the years is that if you pay the school fees much earlier, if you had a bonus, a good bonus, uh, and you can afford to pay school fees, pay school fees now. It's cheaper. They charge you less. I'm going to tell you somebody. But most people don't get it. Because of the, the, the spirit of mammon, the spirit of Babylon, we, we, we want to spend everything that we have. And I listened to one woman on television. She was saying, I think she's working for consumer council or something. She said, just know that January is going to be one of the longest months. And I said, we teach this year after year. But our people seems not to hear. I'm going to tell you somebody. Can you speak to your neighbor and say, you are not wiser than our parents? Yes. I remember very well, my, my parents, before they buy Christmas clothes, they'll buy us school clothes. They'll put some psychology to say, listen, we need to buy you first school clothes. Do you want shoes for school? Yes, I want. Do you want socks? Yes. Do you want the shirt? Yes. We're going to buy those first. So from September or so, they start buying clothes for us, laboring, and so forth. And by December, by God's grace, you might get a shirt. You might get something. But part of the clothes we are putting on, even the socks, maybe school, school socks. You get it? And come January, when others are crying, we are, our parents have been diligent and wiser. They've defeated this festive spirit where people wasted everything that they have. One of the things that are painful about life is to hear people to say, in my day, when I used to have money. Most of you, at your age, you have more money than you will ever have when you reach my age. I know you don't believe me. You have the opportunity to save now, to make well now, the foundations, when you speak about diligence, the things that you learn to do consistently now are the things that will sustain you later in life. And so when you learn diligence, discipline, and you fight the spirit of festive, where things are done just now. Somebody's just coming at the edge, at the, at the, at the edge of, of a feeling. You do it, you might pay quite handsomely for it. So you have to understand that the spirit of Babylon is the spirit of commerce. When you see the Black Friday, it's good to buy. But most people buy things that don't, they don't need. Just have a lot of things. I went to somebody's house, and when I arrived... They bought. There's no space in the house. Papa Kile, they, they, you know, on the edge of the wall. Papa Kile, the cold drink. And I said, I said, this is, this is not, you'll get fat. You'll get sick. I, I'm telling you the truth. Because he says, no, they are cheap. They, you buy 12. If you buy 24, you pay for price of one. I said, the problem that they are there, you'll be eating and drinking until they finish. Unless you are different from me. You know, you have much more stronger. If I was to do that, I'll eat the whole day. I don't know if you get it. Not that you want to eat. Not that... Listen, maybe you don't suffer from weight fluctuations like some of us. I know food is my problem. You get it? So, some people say, oh, when I'm happy, I get bigger. I say, I wish I was you. You know? <laughs> I wish I was you because I will not buy food. Because I know I'm going to gain weight. But I've learned over time that it's not many things that makes me big. It's the food. And if food is there, 
I sit the whole day and eat. It's me. Maybe you are different. Listen, if I open the fridge and I see many things in the fridge, when I sit down, my heart says there is cake. <laughs> when, I, when I finish the cake, my heart says there are Zimba chips in the, in the, in the closet. I, I'm telling you the truth. So the more you buy, that's why December is one of our, our greatest months. We gain more weight this time. Because wherever you go, they are giving you, everybody has something more. Am I talking to somebody? May the Lord have mercy. So what is the character of the spirit of Babylon? The, the spirit of Babylon is the Antichrist. It wants you to spend all, everything and to lose your sense of being reasonable. It's the spirit of confusion. It's the spirit that emphasizes individualism, self-promotion, self-pleasure, self-centeredness, self-image, and the spirit of pride. This is the time most of us want to show. The book of Isaiah 14 Verse 12, to, to, uh, verse 12 to, to 14 is the five eyes of Satan. The Bible says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened nations, for you have said in your heart. You have said where? You have said in your heart, I will set up my throne above the stars of God. This is a common challenge all of us have. Everybody wants to be at the top of the class, but not with, with good intent. Everybody must see it's our turn. You see it in politics. It's our season now. We have four years. Let's loot. Let's eat. They forget that they will still be staying there. You spoil the well as if you will never need water again. You know, you drink once and say, I'm, I'm filled. I will never need water for the next coming so many years. So let me spoil the well. You forget, in three, five hours, you'll be back at that well, and you can't drink yourself because you know what you did to it. I'm going to tell somebody. I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne about the stars of God. I will also sit at the mount of the congregation on the further side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Most of us have that tendency to want to be Lord and King of all. Lord, have mercy on us in the name of Jesus. You see, the spirit of Babylon promotes pride and self-promotion at the expense of others. At the expense of others. I've seen husband and wife. Both of them, they forgot the reason and the purpose why they came together. They are competing. You know, we had a couple, when we married, we married together at the same time. They were competing about giving each other gifts. You know, it's a season of gifts. But after they bought two big gifts, they were in trouble. Because they are surprising each other. Can you imagine? You are surprising each other with the money you don't have. So you are exposing yourself to a very unhealthy environment. May the Lord have mercy. An unhealthy competition and self-centeredness are some of the reasons of unhappiness and emptiness. Sometimes when people come out of this season, December, going to January, people go into depression because they've lost the things they didn't want to lose. Last week I spoke about it. For a young girl, you might be a virgin, and this December you might lose your virgin, your virginity, and be pregnant and have HIV and AIDS. Yes. I have a young woman many years ago who experienced the same. She came to town to study and uh, she was invited to a party. She found a very nice hunk, a young boy who looked so handsome that he's truthful and honest. He had, she had a one night, one night sleep, became pregnant, became inf infected. And the day when she realized, oh, let me go two, three months, let me go to the doctor, I'm pregnant. The parents were shocked, coming, only child, coming from a very respectable family. The only thing you can do as a parent is to cry. You cry. You, you ask yourself questions. What is it that I failed to say that I didn't say? Because when you say to a young girl, boys are, are not for good intent. Can you tell a girl sitting next to you that the boys in December are not for good intent? Mostly. Lord have mercy. Amen. Okay, few points, four points, then we close our message. We're talking about the spirit of 
the festive spirit, the Babylon spirit, the festive spirit of the Antichrist. Number one, this spirit is a spirit of misplacement. All these things are happening in order to misplace you and to steal from you. Let's read the book of 2 Kings chapter 17 verse 24. These are some of the most difficult. You wouldn't want this to happen to you. He say Assyria, the subtopic says Assyria resettles Samaria. He says, then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon. Katha, Ava, Hamath, and Safavim, and settled them in the place of Israel, in the cities of Samaria. The settlers took possession of Samaria and lived in their place. Let me give you a picture so that you understand what we are talking about. When Babylon overtakes you, when you are overtaken by the spirit of Babylon, the kings of Assyria, what they wanted to do is like they take you, let's say you stay in Pretoria. This is your hometown, your village. Your parents are here. Everybody's here. We, we take you together with your parents or we separate you and then we go and sell or settled you somewhere in Limpopo, let's say in Bedbridge. And we take the people in Bedbridge, resettle them here in Pretoria. So you are creating confusion, you are creating pain, you are creating hardship and impossibility for these people to succeed. And this is what we see because during this time, Satan will want to misplace you. One, you might even find yourself finding new friends. That will totally displace and cause pain in your life in many months to come. So the spirit displaces you during this season. People feel lonely and alone. So this is why we talk about sharing. But it doesn't only end there. Satan, because you feel lonely, Satan will misplace you. There are people who will take advantage of your disposition. They look at you. And they feel like they can take advantage of you. And for you, you are thinking, these people, they love me. But much of it is that they love you in order, or they like you in order to abuse and take advantage of you. So you get misplaced. I've seen people getting misplaced. I'm going to give you a few examples in terms of ministry. And maybe you've seen the clip. Uh, there is a clip that is just a story. I don't think it's true. But it gives a very nice picture. The story is given by the former homeland leader. He says a man came driving a nice BMW. And he parked the BMW, find a very nice pretty wife, a woman, uh, with a small baby. And he said to the woman, I like you, I want you to be my wife, and, uh, but I want you to leave your husband. And the woman says, no. But the woman looked at the guy. The guy says, I'm rich, I'll take care of you. The woman says, okay. He says, what about the child? The child was just a, a, a baby, a few days old. The man says, I, I will take you with the child. Don't worry. But the woman got into the car. They drove. So she's leaving the husband. So she's been misplaced. Next point, they reached a cliff, the top of the mountain. There was a, a, a sharp cliff. He says to the woman, if you truly love me, throw the child down. And guess what the woman did? In the beginning, he says, no, my child, my child. The man says, listen, you said you love me. Throw the child down, and I will be sure that you are really committed. She threw the child down, crashed down there, died. Then the man said to the woman, I knew from the beginning that you are an evil woman. Oh, the story is the true story of our life. We give so much of ourselves, and at the end, after we've given so much, somebody's going to tell us, your sacrifices are not worth you being with me. You get it? Why? She was misplaced. The first part was supposed to say, I'm married. I'm what? I'm married. The reason why I'm putting the ring is just to tell you, I'm married. But some of you, if I don't put the ring, you'll be troubling me. You get it? So if I put the ring and you come, I tell you I'm married. 
One, one young woman says, I love married men. No, it's true. It's not a joke. But what, what that will do will misplace you. Your loss, you might not be able to calculate it until later in life. You realize that that was a best bet 10. I was not supposed to have done that. But by that time, you can't wind the, 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 the time backwards to say, let me go back like they do on television that they have a time machine. You wish there was a time machine. What do you think? So that we can go. If you failed and then you have already seen the question paper, you go back and then uh, uh, you prepare according to the question paper you have seen and then you go. So you have to understand that to be misplaced is to think Satan wants you to believe that you are in the right place only to find the place you have chosen is an evil place. And later you cannot retract yourself from the circumstance. Listen, I've said to you, young woman, you married the right person. Your husband might not be flamboyant. Might not be the sugar, sugar guy. You know, when you look at him, you think, ah, this guy is dull. <laughs> uh, you play games. You get it? Yeah. I know, I know of a man who dumped his wife and called her a mole. You know a mole? Because they couldn't conceive. They couldn't have children. So after so many years, he says, you are no longer my wife. And the family were supporting him. And the woman got another husband. As is the case. And she became pregnant. Eh? She became what? Pregnant. And, and, and she went to the former husband's house so that <laughs> they can see. <laughs> and I'm not the problem. Can you tell them? I'm not the problem. Yes. The man was misplaced because she allowed the voices of people who hate. You know, any person who pressurizes you to live the ancient past, that person doesn't love you. If somebody was to come and tell you your mother-in-law is a witch, will you believe with, will you agree with them? No. He raised my husband. He raised my wife. If he didn't kill them, he will not kill me. He might be a witch to all of you, but not to me. You get it? It's the same way where, where, where somebody says, oh, your mother is not good. But the person loves their mother. So you have to understand, Satan wants to misplace you. During this time, in those moments that when you go home, you have bought gifts and whatever, you feel very strongly that I'm not going to, to do this. So I want to challenge you in this regard that have a clear understanding that I will not be misplaced. I will not be what? Misplaced. People get misplaced because of their behavior and how they do things. Secondly, the spirit of plunder and the spirit of no seed in slaves. We have, I think today, there are a few fruits that are seedless and they are becoming even more. There are certain seeds you can sow, they will never bring back to you the same plant that you are thinking you are planting. We have seedless grapes, we have got these navel oranges that we, we, we eat here in South Africa. There's no seed in them. When you eat, you feel like, oh, this is good. Sometimes the spirit of Babylon is just the same. You give so much, but there is nothing that is going to come back out of what you're giving. May the Lord have mercy. Second Kings chapter seven, Second Kings chapter twenty, verse seventeen to eighteen. Your sons shall be productive and succeed. Hallelujah. And here we read Second Second Kings twenty seventeen to eighteen. It says, "Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house." And what your father have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the place of the king of Babylon. 
So when you read this verse, it gives you a picture that when you associate with Babylon, you become a eunuch. How do you become a eunuch? They take away your seed. There is a lot that you do. When you look at this time, part of the way to take your seed is to indebt you, to make sure that you take as much of loans. This is the season when they are taking you. Just in three minutes, you will have the money. And most of us will fall for the three minutes and say, yes, in three minutes, I need the money for this. People who just starting to work, they already say, I need to take a loan. We say, you just started working. Learn the art of patience. Just learn to save your money every day to be able to do the things that you want to do as compared to taking a loan. Guard against loans, borrowing, credit cards, debt, enslavements for temporary pleasure to show off. I think I'm talking to somebody. You do not have to try to impress people that you don't like. Most of the things that we do is to try to prove a point we have arrived. We have it. Look at me. I look good. Listen, most of the time, people don't even care how you are dressed. If we were to ask, how are so and so dressed? There's very few people who, that we will notice. Most of us are not being noticed how we are dressed. Regardless of how much we have spent, I want to challenge you that during this time, Guard your heart with all diligence. Be comfortable in your own skin. Love the person that you are. Somebody was talking about the hairstyle of Miss Universe, Miss South Africa. And I said, we were sitting in my house. My kids already believed she's going to win. Before even they started, they stayed till late at night. They were watching just these uh, blackouts are the enemy of the people. You know, while we were watching halfway, we had a blackout. You get it? But they already have believed in their heart, it is our turn. This woman is going to win. If she doesn't win, maybe it's South America, but we are sure we will win. And when, after the blackouts were done, uh, in the morning we realized it's true. Now, most of you, you will have gone for the Indian week. 33 inch, I was told, to add some extra flair and sophistication to yourself. You get it? And somebody said, the hairstyle is a winning hairstyle. So all of us from now on will start to do the same hairstyle. Hallelujah. Listen, Grace is very funny. How much did you spend for her hairstyle? Huh? They say 50 rands. How much is your hairstyle? Hallelujah. So my, my, my challenge to you, don't be a GMO Christian. You see, you are a Christian who has no seat, no character, no backbone. You can't stand for what you believe. Because this time is a time for pollution. People are going to come and tell you a lot of things that try to belittle you. Sow yourself in the kingdom. It's better to become a fool for a season than to become wise and lose your life. The Bible says Moses shunned Egypt and its wealth and all the positions he had for God. Number three, Babylon, the spirit of false worship. Revelation chapter 14 verse 8. And another angel followed saying Babylon is fallen. Is fallen that great city because it has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 5. It says note this that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Tell your neighbor, men will be lovers of themselves. Can you say it again? Lovers of money? Boasters. You are not saying it nicely. Boasters. 
proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. This verse is the verse for the whole year. You see, when you are proud, you think you know. When you are proud, you think you are better than others. When you are proud, you self-worship. That's why we say it's, a, it's the spirit of false worship. You look at yourself and you are thinking, I'm the man of the moment. Listen, we are celebrating Miss Universe, but it's not going to be long. It's only for 12 months. I don't know if you understand. Yeah. There's going to be another Miss Universe after her. And many others. So humility will be a good strategy for her. And humility is a good strategy for us. But self-worship tells you, I'll always be on the top. I'll always get my way. If I don't get my way, I quit. If it's not me, nobody else. So I will leave. My way or no way. You have to understand that the spirit of Babylon is a spirit of false worship. As a Christian, during this time, is the time to look at yourself, to look at your family, to look at the people around you and encourage them with your own life. Be so humble that others will want God through your life. Hallelujah. Number four and the last point. Babylon is the spirit of prostitution and perversion. Satan desires to swift you and kill you. Satan desires to destroy your life. Revelation 17, verse 4 to 6. It says, The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and filthiness and fornication. Now, if, if we read that, that story until it says the woman was dressed in purple, it means she's rich. Am I right? She was in scarlet. Scarlet is red. She, she adorned herself with red. Adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. What do you think? This is a heavy load. You get it? She uses some extraordinary things. You know, there is one woman who has been pretty all her life. And I think you'll agree with me. Mama Winnie Madigizela Mandela. My wife always said, I wonder what mama is putting on. And I said, she's got a good skin. You get it? But there are people who will use, I mean, if you look at this, this is extraordinary adornment. She's dressed very well. And then listen to what the Bible says. She had a cup in her hand filled with everything veil with the impurities of a prostitution. What do you think? It's not the place, the glamorous environment we might find ourselves in December or any other time in our life. My, things might look that, that great, but when you look at it, you start to realize, hey, this thing is a cup full of fornication. What do you think? It says, having in her hand a golden cup full of ab uh, abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead, a name was written. On her forehead. I mean, this is serious. Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes. By the way, prostitution is not sex only. Prostitution is, is lack of character. You see, I make a vow some 30 years ago to my wife. I'll marry you and I will not share you with any other. 
I've not done that for the past 30 years. There's no woman who can say, I proposed, I slept with her, never. Part of, of, part of the veilness, when you say Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes, it doesn't only talk about that, what I've just described. It talks about lack of character. When we agree, the two of us, and you go and speak behind my back, that is becoming true. A prostitute appears to be something that she's not. They look jolly, very happy, freely going. But if you sit and you talk to them, they will tell you how painful, how hard, how impossible. It says, Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes, of the veiled things of the earth. My, my, my translation puts it this way. It says, the, uh, the, and on her head, a name was written, Mystery. Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the, the, the woman drunk. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. Drunk with what? Blood of the saints. This is a time when, when, when Jesus is verified. When the work that the Lord has done is verified. When, when that which Christ has achieved is reduced to nothing. It says, I saw that woman who was drunk on the blood of the saints and on the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. That's what I was saying to you. You have to be very conscious that somebody says, take a glass of wine. Uh, just a little bit. Let's just go for an extra mile. Let's do something that Christians don't traditionally do. We have young couples today who come together and start drinking wine. Listen, somebody was arguing by saying, Fundis, the Bible, when it talks about the blessing, the one is included in it. <laughs> what do you think? It's there. It's there. It's there. It's there. So, it's one of the things that we are supposed to enjoy. I say, walk in your village. Walk where? In your village. Let's check how many of them have survived who drink wine. Proverbs 31 from verse 1. This is the words of King Lumanuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Verse 2. What should I say, my son? What? Son of my womb. It's a good advice. Tell your neighbor. This is a good advice. What? Son of my vows. Don't spend your energy on who? Oh, let's read it together. Let's read it together. One to go. Don't spend your energy on women or your efforts on those who destroy kings. Thank you. It is not, let's continue. Want to go? It is not for kings, Lumanuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor rulers to desire beer. It's like it's written for South Africans. It's not for kings. Now let's go to our verse. This woman who's intoxicated with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus or the witnesses of Jesus. So every time you come to a company that is veiled, that fights against, next verse, uh, I think it is uh, verse 5. It says, then I saw that the woman was drunk on the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses of, of Jesus. When I saw her, I was utterly astounded. May the Lord have mercy. She was drunk with a Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So you as a young Christian, you are thinking, playing a little bit on the edge. If we play here, it's December. If we play on the edge, we will return. There are, mud there are mud slides on the edge. There are many things that are wrong on the edge. You get it? There is a story one of our fathers in the Lord told us. It's just a story. That they were looking for a driver. And they said to, they, they got people to be interviewed. And one of the drivers says, I'm such a good driver. I drive right on the edge. And my car will not tip over. It says, my skills, I was taught to drive very well. My skills are out of this world. The next driver, when they interviewed him, says, me, 
I'm so a good driver, I don't come close to the edge. I drive very far from the edge. Now, between the two, who's the good driver? <laughs> Listen, you are better far. <laughs> Can you tell anybody you are better far? Yes, move away from the edge. Don't be in the company of people who don't love Jesus. They are soon going to drink your blood in the cup of gold. In their pearl dressed, in their class. I, I say to our people, when you do business, don't, don't do corruption. Because they are going to drink you in a glass of gold. But do people hear? No, they don't hear. They don't hear. Somebody told me, he said, no, I'm from this. I had to pay. I had to pay. And I, I said to the person, since you have paid bribe, you should know they are going to eat everything you have in your house. They are coming for you. Their word is going to spread so fast. You are not going to believe it. These are like vultures. They are coming for you. May, may, may the spirit of the Lord speak to you. The Bible, Jesus was speaking in the book of John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief doesn't come except to steal. Now, when you look at the festive season, it's a, it's a moment of joy, moment of excitement. But I'm saying, don't drop your guard. Tell your neighbor, don't drop your guard. Yes. This is a time when people drop their guard. Just a little beer, just a little wine, just a little sex, just a little bit of spending. We will be fine come next year. And you might not even have next year. Because of the one bad choice, one bad decision that you have made. My father told me a story as a young boy. I was, anyway, we were already grown. And I was told that my father had a car when I was a toddler. And I crawled out of the house and got under the car. How? They don't know. But I got under the car. And my father came, got inside the car, closed the door, ran the engine, and before he rolled the wheels, his heart said, check the children. You get it? And he went under and behold. <laughs> the mechanic, the mechanic, the engineer was under the car. <laughs> you get it? So, listen to your heart. I don't know you are listening. Don't have the mindset. Don't have the mindset. You know, yeah, it, it, my one heart says, my, my other heart says, this is not the time to allow Satan to play the game. Listen to your heart. Your heart will tell you immediately, don't do it. Don't say, oh, no, uh, my, you know, I'll be rude to others. Let me just go with them. Just tell them, you know what, it's not a good season for me to go. It's not a good time. I will come. Even when the brothers of Jesus wanted to take Jesus along, Jesus said, listen, for you, the time is ready. Every time you are what? You are ready, but not for me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can you tell your neighbor, it's not for me. The John 10, 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It says, I've come. That you may have life. This is what we want you to have. May this season bring life to you. In the name of Jesus. It says I've come. That they may have life. And have it abundantly. Our desire. Is that this season may bring. Much more abundant life. To you. Satan wants you to indulge. So that in your indulgence. You will sin against God. And in the process of sinning against God. He will be able to kill you or he will open a door for you to be vilified or embarrassed. I want to challenge you that God has a good plan for our life, not to harm us but to prosper us. Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. And that is my challenge to every person seated here that God has a plan for your life. Your current status and situation might look hopeless, but every day has its blessing. The Bible says your blessings are new every morning. So I want to tell you today, uh, your, the blessings of the Lord are new every morning, even upon your life this morning, in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to search your heart. 
John 10.10. 10. We read during uh, the, the offering, John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his ugly begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. And when you read John 3.17, he said, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that through Jesus, the world may be saved through him. Even now, during this moment where most of us might despair, maybe we look at yourself and you wonder, how will I succeed? The greatest key, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I want to pray together with you. If you are here today, maybe you are visiting today. It's the first time you are coming. I want to pray together with you. Maybe you have been coming to church all along, but you have not made a commitment. Or maybe you made a commitment, but you backslid. You left the ancient path. You sought a way for yourself, but you realize later, this is not the way I should go. I want to pray together with you. The love of God is sufficient for you. Today, God has shown kindness towards us. I want to pray together with you. If you are here, you say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to be a child of God. I want my sins to be forgiven. Just lift up your hand wherever you are seated, and we'll pray together.